Welcome to episode 10 of Boxing Rousey. I'm your host, Omar Ahmed, and I'm joined by Oscar Bevis as always. Today, we'll be reviewing Manny Pacquiao v. Adrian Broner, and then we'll quickly review Badu Jack's loss to Marcus Brown and Keith Furman's return to the ring where he beat Jose Lopez. And then we've got, obviously, our Raw Talk section as well. Um, some breaking news today, which uh, we'll come on to later. But let's start with the main one, Manny Pacquiao winning in a unanimous decision against Adrian Broner. A lot of the talk, obviously, was what happened after the fight um, with Broner's post-fight interview, which was quite comical, I thought, to be honest. But in terms of the fight itself, Oscar, not much really for an argument for an Adrian Broner win, really. I mean, he had a couple of good rounds where he got his sort of trademark counter-punching skills off, but Manny Pacquiao looked comfortable, to be honest, throughout the whole thing, and uh, Broner didn't really provide much. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought it was a strange performance from Broner because it was almost like within the last few rounds, if it was, you know, role reversal, Pacquiao was in the situation losing, you know that he'd have gone out sort of gung-ho and I didn't see that from Broner. It was almost like he accepted the loss and already knew about the excuses he was going to come up with at the end. It was a strange performance. That he weren't throwing any punches. I'm not really sure what his plan was, if he even had a plan. Uh, Pacquiao was working on the inside. It was pretty easy at times for Pacquiao. He didn't really have to work that hard. And I know, you know, People talk about Pacquiao's age, but you know he looked like a twenty-four. I know he gets a lot of stick, and you can see why, especially after at the end. But he's he's a good fighter, and he he can counter punch, and he can land hard shots. But that's actually if he throws shots. It's just probably one of the strangest performances I've seen in a long time. Um, and on the end, yeah, it's just really strange. Uh. When he was saying about the hood knows I won, the hood this, the hood that, you know, the hood should be embarrassed really because it was one of the poorest performances I've seen in a long time. And to get that stage and, you know, if he'd have beat Pacquiao, there's big fights out there for him. I mean, there's fights out there for him still now, but to beat Pacquiao, there's massive fights out there for him. So to go in and I think there was a point where he landed three punches over three rounds or something like that. And that's just awful. And, you know, a main event headline and you're punch output's going to be that bad I, I found it baffling but you know credit to Pacquiao he moves on like I said didn't have to work too hard but yeah it's just I can't really get my head around the whole Broner thing still really a week on obviously we saw Manny Pacquiao being vocal afterwards uh, about wanting a Floyd Mayweather rematch the camera then panned on Floyd but he didn't really give much of an answer to be honest I don't really want to see that um, I think they should well Pacquiao can definitely continue because I wouldn't pick him against the likes of Spence, Crawford, even Keith Furman, but I'd still like to see them fight, so I think they'd be interesting. But with Mayweather, I think he should leave the sport alone now. I wasn't really a fan at all of the whole McGregor thing and uh, the kickboxing or whatever event he had <laughs> um, with that Japanese fighter. Like, I didn't even watch it, I only just sort of because of the, it was going around on Twitter, etc. I didn't bother watching it live. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't really want to see that rematch. Does it happen? Probably, because there's just probably too much money in, involved for it not to happen. I'd like to see Pacquiao fight 
possibly the winner of Crawford Khan. Uh, maybe Keith Furman fights him next. If Errol Spence beats Mikey Garcia, again, I'd like to see uh, him with Manny Pacquiao. Um, would those fights interest you at all, or do you, would you rather Manny left the sport alone as well? No, Manny Pacquiao fighting still interests me. I think he still interests a lot of people. Um, that's why it was a good idea to get it on ITV over here. I think you're right about Floyd needing to leave the sport alone. I mean, we saw after Furman winning at the weekend. That's a lot of the talk now. I think that's a really interesting fight. How can it not be? Um, Pacquiao still interests me in a lot of people. So I think there's definitely still, you know, we'll see on 70 fights now. I think it wouldn't surprise me if you could see him get near on 80 fights. Because he looks fit as ever. So, you know, and it still interests me in lots of people. So 100% there's room for Pacquiao in the 147 division. Can you realistically see him sort of beating Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, Keith Furman? Not Errol Spence and Terence Crawford, I can't. Um, I think Keith Furman, what he's come off a near two-year layoff. And I think he wants Pacquiao next. You know, I think after, we're going to talk about that, of course, in a bit. But after the weekend's performance, you know, I know Keith Furman is a top fighter, unbeaten, but... I think when you look at the levels of the two fights, I know Broner, as I was saying earlier, didn't put up much of a fight, it seems. But if you look at the levels of the two fights, Pacquiao looks like he was just sort of that fresher, fitter, better than Keith Firm. So if they were to fight next, I think you'd have to favour Pacquiao. But with Spence and Crawford, I, I can't. I think they're both world-class and they're not even hitting their prime yet. So if they were to fight end of this year, next year, I think you know time would work in their favour as well as them being better fighters than Pacquiao is in this moment. What about Adrian Brown? Obviously, we're all assuming he's going to carry on. I think part of the whole I won sort of thing is that he's actually going to draw people into the next fight because you want to see what he's going to do if he's going to be exactly the same and then scream and shout that he won after the fight again or whether he's actually going to change. Um, I think him and Danny Garcia's potentially... A big fight, two big names. Danny Garcia, obviously, not belt holder anymore. So, you know, he could do with a win over Adrian Broner. I don't think Broner should really be getting a shot at Sean Porter. Um, it's interesting, we haven't actually mentioned Sean Porter yet. And he, he's a WBC champ. Um, but I think Garcia, Broner w- would make sense. I don't really see any other fights out there for Broner really at the moment in terms of the top, top level. But it's how long really Adrian Broner can carry on sort of this hate, love-hate, if you like, relationship with, with the fans where how many fights is, in, is it going to take for, for the public to realise that in a sense he's fooling everyone. Um, you're only watching him to see whether, as I said, if he can if he can change anything drastic. It's obviously trying to be like Floyd, where <laughs> there's a massive difference there. Though obviously Floyd would actually get in the ring and, and do the business each time, and it's because he kept winning that the interest was there. You know, every, a lot of people wanted him to lose, but he he kept getting there and winning, and he did it time and time again. With Broner, how long is this going to really last? Um, and his his recent sort of record has been awful. Were you sort of interested in be interested in a Danny Garcia fight, or would you just like to see him get out of the sport? Really, 
I think I'd I'd still watch Broner, like you said, because it's Broner. Um, Danny Garcia is fighting on the same night, but on a different card to Crawford card. I think he's fighting Granada, so he's fought Broner. So that, you know, expecting to come through that. That'd be a good fight, but you're just talking about uh, comparisons in some way between Floyd and Broner. The whole personality and persona around Floyd Mayweather was brilliant because when he stepped in the ring, it was all about. He based a lot at the end of his career in the recent years on um, keeping that O, didn't he? You know, we want to see Mayweather lose that O was a lot of the interest. And Broner's going in the ring and he doesn't have that. I don't really see what the interest is in Broner other than, you know, the fact that we can talk about a fight like Pacquiao Broner. And you started by saying a lot of the interest was on the end of the fight on a man who didn't even win. So for Broner, a lot of the interest isn't actually what goes on inside the ring. So, I mean, I would still watch it, I have to say. I think Danny Garcia fight is actually a good fight. And if he turns up, trains properly and can be a different Adrian Broner, not that I expect him to be, then that's a really good fight. But I wouldn't be too disappointed if he decided to call it a day, even to be perfect. I think I'd actually favour him calling it a day because I don't think there's anything out there for him that is going to give him life-changing money or get him any world titles or you know any more rewards. So I think... For him, call it a day, in my personal opinion. But like I said, I would still watch Adrian Broner. Okay, then, moving on to a fight on the undercard of Pacquiao Broner, Badu Jack v. Marcus Brown. I feel a bit silly now last week saying uh, I see Badu Jack is one of the top 10 pound-for-pound fighters, but that was just my opinion, and I think justifiable as well. But obviously can't be said now after he's lost to Marcus Brown but you can see why there was so much hype about uh, Brown in America it was a, a really good performance obviously Badu Jack suffered that bad cut um, and it was horrible uh, to see the, sort of the images after especially on, on the referee's shirt as well you can see all the blood from, from Badu Jack's face um, but Marcus Brown looks impressive Yeah, I mean, I was the exact same last week. I'd done it before with not giving Caleb Plant much of a chance. Now, I didn't give Marcus Brown much of a chance. It just shows the wealth of talent that America have got sort of on that fringe of world level and how they can move up to world level. Marcus Brown started pretty slow, actually. You know, Badu Jack's not notoriously a fast starter, but you know, he seemed to just sort of wrap the first four rounds up quite easily without having to do much. I think even before the cut, Marcus Brown was dictating the fight. No, like I said, horrific cut. I think he was dictating the fight. I Badu Jack, it was almost like he'd been in one too many, a gruelling fight. And this was just the, the peak and the turning point. Um, near the end of the fight, the blood that was pouring down his face, he was never going to give him a, a valid chance of ever really getting anything from it. So, you know, he did well to stay in and last the fight. I was in agreement with you that Badu Jack... You know, for me, is a top 15 or was a top 15, 10 pound for pound fighter. So for Marcus Brown to jump in at world level and beat Badu Jack, he's put his name right up there. It's a brilliant performance. He, the physical domination that he showed. You now he's big, Marcus Brown, but the way he dominated him physically, it was like sort of a men versus boy sometimes, which, you know, I never saw myself saying. Brilliant performance for Marcus Brown and yeah, what can I say? Well done. And there's some big fights out there now. You know, America, like I said, have got some real talent right on the edge of those, the, sort of the cusp of the, the elite fighters and they're starting to come through now. Marcus Brown's one of them. is brilliant performance. 
Yeah, it's probably my favourite division, 175. You've got Gavostik, um, Salvador Barrera is a good fighter. Obviously, you've got Dimitri Bivol, Artur Baturbitev, and then domestically, obviously, you've got Callum Johnson, um, Boatsy Yard, you know, all these boys, hopefully, Boatsy Yard, and and obviously, Callum Johnson's obviously fought for a while, so, but yeah, Boatsy and Yard in, in years to come, hopefully, can be mixing it with the likes of, of Brown and, and all the others. I wouldn't mind seeing Yard face the winner of uh, Alvarez Kovalev 2. Um, obviously, Yard's facing Mehdi Amar, which is, is actually a decent fight. Um, I wasn't really a fan of Yard's last few opponents, but you know, the fact that uh, this one's gone 12 rounds with Gavostik and he has some decent uh, moments against Gavostik. Um, and if Yard can, it can stop him, I think that's a, that's a big statement. And hopefully, they can push for the winner of Alvarez Kovalev. Um, and uh, if, if he beats one of them, that, that's huge. Um, and then that Niyad's right in the mix in terms of the world scene at, at light heavyweight. Um, but yeah, moving on to a fight from more recently, uh, just this weekend gone. Keith Furman, as I said, returned to the ring. I think it was like nearly two years, just under two years, I think, since he last fought. Um, a lot of people I saw on Twitter and, and one of the cards had it, had it level I was saying a lot of people were saying that it was it was a closest fight yeah I know Furman had bad moments in the fight but in terms of a scoring perspective I thought he cruised it in terms of the fact the round one I could only give Lopez three maybe four maximum if I'm being generous that's just the way I saw it I thought Furman at least won eight or nine rounds so I didn't think it was a, a terrible sort of comeback performance considering he'd, he'd been out uh, for the ring for two years, but he did get hurt uh, considerably in the seventh round. And uh, you're fearing if that's, you know, Errol Spence or Terence Crawford, <laughs> you're going to get finished. I think, Oscar, that was sort of the main concern from, from his comeback fight. Yeah, uh, it, it was a big barrage of punches in the seventh from Lopez, who... Um, <clears throat> He showed brilliantly, actually, Furman. Uh, Terence Crawford tweeted, he said, just the determination and will to win. Sometimes as a champion, you've just got to do anything to win. And he showed that. He showed he still got the speed and the boxing skill. Um, but yeah, a, fight, a fighter like you know, Errol Spence, you'd expect him to finish you in that situation. Um, obviously, he knocked Lopez down in the second. I actually think he boxed well in the 113-113 scorecard. I think it was scandalous, to be honest. Um, I had it 117-110, so a couple of rounds to Lopez. But yeah, the top fighters in the division, they'd look to finish you there. Um, it was not the hardest fight for Thurman Bar, the seventh round. Um, it's not one that you can perhaps take and look forward and say, now we can sort of gauge an idea of how we do against these top guys later on in the year. But I think the seventh round, you know, when you've won like that and People are talking about a barrage of punches in around, you know, one round out of 12 that you lost. People are talking about that certain round. It shows, I've, I muddled my words here, but you know what I mean? The fact that he's won a fight and people are talking about that exact barrage of punches. You know, it just shows that people are looking at him and can see a vulnerable weakness that fighters like Errol Spence will exploit. So, 
it's interesting him against those top guys because I think we can definitely see that the boxing skill and the speed's still there. But yeah, that is a real worry. Yeah, I'd like to see the Manny Pacquiao fight next. To be honest, I think for both fighters, it's the one that mo- makes most sense. I think it's the most realistic one. Obviously, Crawford's tied up um, with Amir Khan. Errol Spence has got his fight with Mikey Garcia. Um, I- I'd like to see Keith Furman in there with Manny Pacquiao. I couldn't say I confidently outright can pick Furman in that as well. But uh, I'd make him, I'd make him slight favourite in that one, and obviously if he can beat Manny Pacquiao um, in his sort of second fight after a long layoff, then that's only going to raise his profile tenfold, and it's obviously a massive win. And he's got, you know, out of the one four seven fighters, it's arguable that he's got the best record in terms of names. Um, obviously, you've got Danny Garcia. Luis Colazo, Guerrero, he's being Sean Porter, obviously he's WPC champ. He's definitely got the best resume. Um, whether I think he's the most talented, I don't think so. I think he's out of Spence or Crawford. But, yeah, you know, you can't really argue with Keith Furman, uh, him saying he's number one, because, as I said, as it stands, his record is the best on paper at the moment. And uh, if he can secure that Pacquiao fight and beat him, then he really has got a case for being number one. Anyways, that's review section done. Um, we're going to have our raw talk section now. Um, huge news today, obviously. Quite sad, but understandable and probably the right decision. Uh, George Groves obviously announced his retirement. My sort of favourite fighter of, the, of this modern era, um, Definitely, in terms of a British standpoint of view, he's been, he's provided some excellent nights. Obviously, the first Carl Froch fight, I think that's the one where he'll be remembered for most, just putting Froch down on the canvas <laughs> like it was nothing um, in the first round. And he obviously, in the build-up, he, he talked about and And then everyone started taking him seriously, obviously, after that then filling out Wembley, which is obviously something that happens on a regular occurrence now with Anthony Joshua, but back then it was unthinkable to do it, to do that for a, for a, for a fight, um, set out Wembley against Carl Froch, and uh, obviously it wasn't his night again that night, but, you know, Carl Froch <laughs> getting knocked out by Carl Froch, you know, there's no shame in that. And then, it's such a weird career in terms of he, he, he'd never quite made the mark obviously had that loss to Badu Jack and then finally got uh, his hands on a world title against Tudinol which is another really good fight um, and you could see after that fight what it meant to him in the ring uh, winning that world title and then people were picking Eubank majority of people were picking Eubank uh, I remember uh, when they fought in the, in the WBSS and uh it was such a classy, calm performance from George Groves and you wondered why people were picking uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Obviously, in the 12th round, things looked a bit worrying from a Groves perspective uh, because of the pop shoulder, but the majority of the fight, um, it was completely under control. Um, 
And then I like something he put out in his statement today about Edward uh, Goodnecht. Obviously, that fight ended really badly uh, for Goodnecht in terms of his health. And I, I like the fact that, you know, he, he put that in, he, in his statement today. Um, just just sort of shows the class of the man. And he's a, he's a lovely guy. Um, and uh, that's another thing about George Rose. Obviously, he, he was portrayed as the villain before the, before the first Froch fight. But we can see now today from the messages that have been coming in on his social media, he's, he's become a hero with, with the fans. And uh, one of the best for I'm guessing that's the same for you, Oscar. Yeah, I mean, people who know me now, I feel about George Groves. He's a Chelsea boy, so I was always going to back him. <clears throat> He's had an incredible career. He'd jump in with anyone, which for a start, you've got to love about a fighter. Um, the first fight, the second fight, sorry, with Carl Froch. For me, that was, you know, I was always a big boxing fan of the big fights. That was one of the first cards I watched. What was I, perhaps 13 or 14? Watched from the six o'clock start to the top. That's one that really got me properly into boxing as I am now so I've got George Groves to thank for that like you said he's given us some amazing nights and the night at Bramwell Lane where he beat Fedor Tudin of the relief it was almost like anything from there was a bonus so to go on and beat Chris Eubank and like you said in a fight where people weren't backing him and in that last round there could be a case where you know some referees would have jumped in and stopped it so the heart and the, the strength that he showed to come through that because it was he couldn't hide that his shoulder and popped out you know, so the, the courage he showed and like you said, he was loved by so many people. You see the messages flooding in today, perhaps not from Carl Roch, who tried his best to give him some sort of credit. Yeah, have you seen that, what he said? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll read the statement actually for people who haven't heard it. Carl Froch said today about George Grover's sign, quote, he's had a fantastic career really. He had quite explosive power in his best days, but I think he just went past his best after getting ironed out by me at Wembley. All the best to him. <laughs> Good luck with the future. <laughs> um, that's expected from Carl Froch, though, really. Yeah, that's just Carl Froch, really, isn't it? You look at the list of guys that he's fought. You know, he's fought some top domestic names. He's fought some top fighters in world boxing. Didn't even mention James the Gale uh, when I first. Yeah, yeah. yeah the James the Gale fight. Yeah, uh, you know he's won the British, the Commonwealth, the European world title. There's not much more he could have done in terms of the future. You know the division now. You look at guys like Callum Smith, and even if there was to be a rematch, which I don't think would be a possibility, and I think most people know that, and George must know that. But if you look at it now, I don't think there's. You know he's younger, he's fresher, he's bigger, he's stronger. I just think for George Groves. It is the right time to call it a day. You know, look at what he's achieved. And he's one of them people that you know deep down he's retiring happy. And that's satisfying for him, satisfying for us. And like you said, the thing that he said about Edward Goodnecht after their fight at Wembley Arena, which was a cracking fight and you know, it just shows the class. Man, he's, he's brilliant. So happy retirement to him. Yeah, the only reason I thought he... He might carry on. It's just to wait around for the for the winner of James DeGale and Chris Eubank Jr. Probably from from George's side, he was hoping that DeGale came through that fight and uh, they could get that rematch on. Um, but obviously, he's felt that it, it's time, and and he obviously he's in best place to make that decision. Do you think though, in the future, we might see 
a comeback maybe after a year or two? The thing is, I'm surprised he decided to announce it now before the Gale fight. I mean, I know that sort of puts to bed all rumours, you know, because if the Gale was to come out of the fight as a winner, you know, the first thing, if George wasn't retired, people would have said is, what about George Groves? What about George Groves? So it's a bit of me that's not surprised he's done it before, but I am in terms of, it would have sort of been a realisation to him that there's still a massive fight out there that, you know, how many years on would it have been? Seven, eight years on from when they first fought. You know, that it's still a massive fight and it can still do massive numbers even on pay-per-view. So I can see both sides of why you would announce before, why you would announce perhaps why you could have waited to announce after. Um, it wouldn't surprise me because, you know, we all know George loved the fight. He was never one to shy away and he always wanted to get in and have a war and have a scrap. So, But I think he's got one over on Gale. He's got one over on Newbank. So is there really any need to come back in that sort of sense? I, I don't think so. Not after his last paycheck out in uh, Saudi Arabia against Callum Smith. Probably yeah. not. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that's it for this week. Anything you'd like to add, Oscar, on, on Groves' retirement? Just happy retirement to George Groves. Uh, like I said a minute ago, I'll echo that again. You look at people like Darren Barker, Tony Bellew, those fighters, and Cole Froch, those fighters who retire, and you know they're you know, sort of just happy and content with what they've achieved. And you know he's going to stick around in boxing. He's a great role model, so I'm sure there'll be something he's doing a lot, training, something in a gym somewhere, teaching the next generation because he's that sort of bloke. So, and I've met him a few times, and he's a top top bloke. So, uh, good luck to him. All right, um, make sure to tune into episode 11 next week and follow us on Twitter at Box Royal Pod and on SoundCloud too. Just type in Boxing Royalty. But for now, signing out. <laughs>